Welcome to Kenmar and thank you for worshiping with us. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Truly our help does come from the Lord, whether we realize it or not. Paul explains in his letter to the Romans how great it is that God is for us and not against us. Reaching back to last Sunday's scripture, we hear in verses 24 and 25, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And the first verse of today's reading, verse 26, continues by saying, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, the interceding, comforting, encouraging, indwelling Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Yes and amen. Thank you for joining us. God's word comes today from Romans 8, verses 26 through 39. And you've heard this throughout the whole um, uh, worship service so far. So this is where a lot of this comes from. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he will search our hearts, and he who search our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are, con we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor demon, neither the present, nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Thank you, Bob. Shall we pray? Grant, O oh God, that what we've read with our eyes, understood with our minds, and received into our memories, we may go out to show forth in our lives. Grant that what we learn by your grace, we use to your glory. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Gene Neidich, a 214-pound homemaker, desperate to lose weight, went to the New York City Department of Health, where she was given a diet devised by Dr. Norman Joliffe. Two months later, discouraged about the 50-plus pounds still to go, she invited six overweight friends to her home to share the diet and talk about ways to stick with it. Today, over 60 years later, and over one million members attend Weight Watchers in 30 countries. To answer um, the question that was put to Jean Neidich, which is, you know, how did you do this? Why did you do this? She told a quick story. When I was a teenager, she said, uh, I used to cross the park where I saw mothers gossiping while toddlers sat on their swings with no one pushing them. So I walked over and I gave the kids a push. She said, pretty soon that child is pumping their legs and they're swinging on their own. So I guess I could say that's my whole role in life, is to give other people a little push. People helping people, people encouraging people, people backing people, but don't we need more than other people at times? There are times when friends and family forsake us or fail us and we search for what we call divine intervention. So we pray. Paul says, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. Uh, one of my favorite New Testament commentators, William Barclay, says there are two reasons why we do not know how we ought to pray. The first, we cannot pray aright because, um, because we cannot foresee the future. We don't have sight or vision that is far enough. And therefore, we could well pray for things uh, which are for our good, uh, but we may pray for things which are to our ultimate harm. And secondly, Barclay says, we cannot pray aright because in any given situation, we do not know what is best for us. We do not have the knowledge of God. God is in a position uh, of knowing all that ever was, ever is, or ever shall be. And like a parent, God knows what is good for us, uh, his children, far better than we do ourselves. Barclay says the Greek mathematician Pythagoras forbade his disciples to pray for themselves because he said they could never in their ignorance know what was appropriate and best for them. Another uh, New Testament commentator that I like, C.H. Dodd, puts it this way, we cannot know our real need, we cannot with our finite minds grasp God's plan. In the last analysis, all we can bring to God is an inarticulate sigh, which the Spirit will translate to God for us. As Paul saw it, prayer, like everything else, 
that Paul discusses is from God. He knew that by no possible human effort could we justify ourselves, and he knew that by no possible human vision or knowledge could we know what to pray for. Paul says there is something, however, we do know, and it's this. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We know very well, as one translation puts it, that God is intermingling all things for our good. It is the shared experience of Christians everywhere that things work together for good. We don't need to be very old to look back and see things that we thought were disasters turn out to be good. And we don't have to be very old to look back and see things that we thought were huge disappointments that in the end worked out to be unexpected blessings in our lives. But we also have to note that experiences like that come only to, quote, those who love God. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Truly, our help comes from the Lord, whether we realize it or not. And Paul explains to the Romans how great it is that God is for us and not against us. It was their 13th wedding anniversary. And Mr. Lawrence, the husband, was away at a meeting on their special day. So he called a florist to send a bouquet of 13 balloons, helium balloons, with a message of gratitude for the heights to which his wife had taken him over the last 13 years. When the balloons arrived at the door, she had uh, a good idea who the balloons were from, but she was puzzled by the message that was attached to the balloons when she read, you make me S-O-R-E. They need a spell check on that card. Should be S-O-A-R. I guess they missed that one. So to your spouse or perhaps to your children, what's the greatest gift that you've ever given them? We might think in terms of material things, but in reality, I think whether it's a spouse or whether it's a friend or whether it's children, one of the greatest gifts we could give is to show them how to live a life of faith. If you bless a child's life with Christ as Lord and Savior, you bless them forever. If you bless them with something material, it's only a temporary way of showing them kindness. They will forget the material stuff, but they'll never forget that which affects them eternally. And this is exactly what Jesus did for us, the kind of gift that he gave to us. Uh, He made it all possible. Verse 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that's a turn of phrase I've been pondering all week. That is, when I had a moment and we weren't doing vacation Bible school, um, that phrase uh, is something that has really caught my attention. We are more than conquerors. Because I think there are numerous times, days, and periods of life when we feel that we are less than conquerors. 
1846, President John Quincy Adams suffered a stroke. Although he returned to Congress the following year, his health was clearly failing. Daniel Webster described his last meeting with Adams, and this is what Adams said. I inhabit a weak, frail, decaying tenement, battered by the winds and broken in upon by the storms. And from all that I can surmise, the landlord does not intend to repair. Is there purpose in pain? I think many Christian writers have, have said there certainly is. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, struggled with that question. The year 2023 so far has been something of a year of pain for me personally, not the kind of emotional pain where a loved one is torn from you, as uh, quite a few of you have experienced already this year. What I've experienced is more physical pain that comes with, okay, I'll say the word, aging. <laughs> comes with aging. Uh, and I hadn't realized how relatively pain-free my life has been up till now. <clears throat> Until the month of May when sciatica took me by surprise. And if you've never had that, it's like a toothache in your, in your leg. It, it's not fun. Uh, people in pain are exactly why Paul wrote verses 38 and 39 in this passage. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul isn't talking about little cuts and bruises. He's not talking about uh, the daily bumps that we get. He's talking about life's deepest wounds. And he's talking about the time that is required to heal those wounds. An Atlanta journalist uh, once was doing a story on an old farmer who had a pointer dog that he took hunting with him. Twice on their outing, the, the farmer um, let the dog run ahead on his arthritic legs, and the dog did what he was trained to do. He pointed, and the farmer fired into the open air twice after the dog had stopped and pointed. But the journalist couldn't see any birds that rose where the dog was standing. So he asked the old man about it, and he said, oh, shucks, I knew there weren't no birds in that grass. Spot's nose ain't what it used to be. But him and me, we've had some wonderful times together. He's still doing the best he can, and it'd be mighty mean of me to call him a liar at this point. Do you have anyone on your side? Is there someone that's backing you up? It seems that we believe in our dogs a little more than we believe in human beings these days. John Ortberg tells a true story. We were with friends at an open-air street fair when we spotted a mechanical bull that tries to buck riders off of it. The guy operating the bull said, watching it isn't nearly as fun as riding it, so I told the bull operator that I wanted to ride. 
He took one look at my middle-aged frame, and he said, are you sure? Well, at that very moment, I decided I was going to, I was going to ride that bull and not back down. And he explained to me that the bull had 12 levels of difficulty. So he said, it might not be easy, but the keys to stay centered on the bull, you have to follow the bull, shift the center of gravity as the bull moves around. Well, I got on the mechanical bull, start, it started slowly, it started moving faster and faster and jostling me around, and I held on very, very tight. Then I remembered his advice. So I loosened up and I just kind of went with where the bull was going. My arms were flailing all over the place. I just hung on and finally it slowed down and it stopped. And as I got off, I looked over at him and he looked at me shaking his head and he smiled, nice job, partner. That was level one. <laughs> Ortberg's story illustrates the fact that you know, we were all on the road of life, and we all have to overcome difficulties and troubles and pain, but there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's difficult to describe what that means. It's hard to put into words. About 10 years ago at Camp Lambeck, the music camp that we do every summer, we sang a song that I think helps summarize Romans 8. Uh, it says, day after day, our God is reigning. Time after time, our God is faithful. Day after day, our God is reigning. Time after time, our God is faithful. Can you say that with me? Day after day, our God is reigning. Time after time, our God is faithful. Not bad for Presbyterians. Now, reaching back to last Sunday's scripture, verses, verse 25, Paul says, If we have hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And then in today's first verse of our reading, he says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Did everyone hear that? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The interceding, comforting, couraging, indwelling Holy Spirit of God. It makes me want to say amen. The list of what the Spirit does here in Romans 8, or what the Spirit demonstrates, I think is limit limitless. For remember, it's the same Spirit who brought creation from chaos. It's the same Spirit who indwelled the incarnate Christ as he walked the earth. And it's the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead and brought him from the tomb. This is the spirit who in our weakness intercedes for us in prayer. What a priceless gift. But the final word must go to the Apostle Paul today. He says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise, praise the Father, 
and praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A video recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmore Church. 